The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of March. Ira Bell, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, Tristan Pantorato, Wilshire, White, Wind, Wolf, L, Kara Link, and Marty Thompson. The GameCube GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Yeah, so anyway, I was watching the news the other day, and uh, it turns out that that's why Kirby has the most restraining orders of any Nintendo character, Mike. Yeah, that, that checks out. That checks out, Neil. Oh, yeah. we're live. We're live. Oh, we're live. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, i got to talk to you about something. You and I have both started new jobs recently. Uh, I've known a lot of people that have started new jobs uh, due to the pandemic. A lot of job churning. One thing that I had forgotten about since I hadn't started a new job in so long is training videos when you start a new job. Those are just the worst. <laughs> They're so unique because <laughs> everyone, you know, anyone who's worked for a semi-large company uh, or even like a mid-sized company, small companies have them sometimes too. I don't know. But mm, companies... Not the one I work for. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not the one you work for. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, companies that have maybe more than 15 people will usually have a have to use some of these training videos that were made probably in the 90s early 2000s and i'm just wondering neil how do you how do you become an actor for those how do you get that job i don't know and the one thing i love to think about because you're right all of these videos are old i like the ones from the 80s because like they have that kind of buzz like literally a (laughs) buzz to them where like you can hear the tape reel you can tell that this video has been taped over multiple times, <laughs> yeah. then converted to a DVD that they now have to like watch on this laptop on this projector, and like this, the person's wearing like the giant glasses that you'd see like in like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off movie. And I just get distracted by those films because if you want to call them a film, uh, because the only thing <laughs> passing through my mind when I'm watching them is not the you know keep your hands away from sharp objects. It's mainly just like there's a good chance all the people in this video are dead. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, the the ones I've been watching are, are mostly '90s and 2000s unfortunately no no vhs buzz going through mm. the screen that would be good but mm-hmm. uh yeah i had had a couple this week that i was watching uh and the there's a quite a few times where one of the actors kept looking into the camera directly oh. into the camera <laughs> almost like line you know just, <laughs> it's like oh, oh the scene's not done yet okay and and their, their line delivery is so perfect it just oh, you know they say the line and then there's that long pause before the next person says the line and yeah. you know when one of them is supposed to like you know, quote unquote, interrupt the other one because right. they kind of have like a pause and look at them. <laughs> See, those those work videos, those like hazardous work videos, if you want to call them that, or like harassment videos, they're kind of the adult version of, do you remember when we were in elementary school and like junior high school, they put on these videos about like, don't do drugs, like don't get peer pressure into doing things you don't want to do, mainly drugs. I remember the acting in those videos. Yeah. Like that was the first time as a kid where I was like, this acting's off. Uh, I just remember like being like, nobody talks like this. Like kids don't talk like this. None of my friends talk like this. I didn't end up doing any drugs, but I just remember watching those videos thinking they were just the worst because kids had to act high or act injured after like jumping off of a a deck or something. Oh, the injury ones were bad. I think I know exactly which one you're talking about for the deck one. Yeah, because the kids had been drinking and then we watched this. We were like 10 years old and even we knew then. I was like, this is dumb. (laughs) 
I, I really feel for the entire crew on those ones because mm. it's not only the actors, but like you got to have your boom mic people. You have to have the director <laughs> on that alone. And, you know, imagine being a director for those being like, oh, oh God, this is this is where I'm at in life. I wasn't able to to, to, to film Schindler's List. So here I am now. <laughs> it's funny. You hear about people acting or like, you know, working with ch- child actors like Harry Potter and Home Alone and how it's a nightmare to film with kids, at least those films were block- blockbuster box office hits. Imagine filming a "Don't Do Drugs" kids video. That's really shout out to anybody out there doing that. You're doing a you're doing a job. That's for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I definitely gonna do it. Someone's gotta do it. Someone's gotta do it, Neil. Yep, someone's got to do it indeed, Mike. But let's start to segue now into today's episode. Of course, listeners, if you remember yesterday, we talked about Paper Mario Part 1. We're going to talk about Paper Mario some more today in Part 2 of this episode. But before we get into it, i got to ask you, Mike, about halfway through the Paper Mario series, Mario took a turn. He took a change. He changed from the black outline from the original three games, and then around Sticker Star, he changed to a white outline. i got to say, do you have a preference between black outline mario and white outline mario i think definitely a black outline mario white outline mm. mario makes him look too much like a sticker for yeah. me and i understand like it, that is what he's supposed to look like for that but it's it doesn't feel like the paper aesthetic anymore you know even though they make more paper jokes uh, they do they the paper jokes only increase with each game it's interesting i don't know i think that they did it so that he stands out more on screen he pops out but i i didn't think that was an issue in the original games anyway like you don't really need to see mario at all times and if you can't Video games might not be for you if you couldn't see Mario on screen at all times. Um, but, you know, I, I know what you're saying, though. It's like, I don't know what this change was for. It's such a small nitpicky thing, really. But it is it is just one of those design choices that they decided to go with uh, with the 3DS iteration. Yeah, it, like, uh, it, it does feel like a small thing. But when you actually play these games again, you know, playing this this week, playing Thousand Year Door, I, I, I hadn't played it in years and i had played obviously other paper mario since then playing origami king and stuff like that but uh i definitely noticed the 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 difference in in graphic quality in that too because yeah Mm -hmm. it it feels almost it feels a lot more kiddish with the white outline for me yeah Yeah, uh, where the black outline felt you know obviously the setting takes a takes a part in that but it felt more adult it did it did i think that this is a perfect opportunity to uh to do a poll on instagram mike maybe i'll I keep forgetting to do these polls. I haven't done one in a while, but uh, we'll try and post this on Friday. And then on our next week's episode uh, for, uh, I think there's a, some kind of holiday happening next week, actually. I haven't I haven't actually checked my calendar, but we'll have to go back and look. Uh, but for next week's episode, we will share the results of that poll on next week's episode. Sounds good. That's a good idea. I like that. I will write that down in my paper notepad right here. Paper Mario poll next Friday. Speaking of paper, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 90, part two of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 410 and a half games. <laughs> you can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. Uh, this time, Gubella, she fell off the track there. She she oh. she went on the wagon. Off the wagon? Oh, off the wagon or on the wagon? Yeah, one of them. She... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yesterday, we started talking about Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, and Paper Mario as a series, and we decided that since we have so many people that wanted to join the show, we'd split this episode into two. So today, we're going to be talking more about Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. But before we let our first caller on today, Mike, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door together. 
I do. Yeah, thank you, Neil. I like I like doing things together. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit, and this is going to lead into our next guest, uh, our very special guest who will be coming on shortly. I want to talk about the era of Paper Mario existing, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. 2004, we talk about this a lot. We talk about how Wind Waker, which was our last two-parter, that was like the watershed moment of the GameCube. That's March 2003. Uh, before that, you know, the year and a half or so before March 2003, we had uh, quite a steady uptick of, of GameCube games. We had a lot of amazing titles coming out. Sales numbers were pretty good. And things were looking up for the GameCube. Uh, PS2 hadn't started to dominate yet either. So there was a lot of um, there's a lot of reason to be hopeful. And then we look at a year and a half after Wind Waker now. We've come to Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, October 11th, 2004. And things are looking down for the GameCube. Mm-hmm. Sales aren't as good across the board. Uh, PS2 now is really taking hold of, uh, of, of the industry and completely wiping everyone out. And Paper Mario Thousand Year Door comes out at this time and doesn't, you know, receive a lot of fanfare because of this. And this is kind of the the beginning of the end of the GameCube, Neil. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's too bad that not enough people got a chance to play this game back in the day. Uh, we talked about that a lot yesterday with how it's it's only playable on GameCube, which makes it such a shame. Um, I, I really feel I really feel for for the GameCube in this in this era or in this I guess half of their life cycle because they were still pumping out incredible classic games like Paper mm-hmm. Mario and and it just wasn't selling like Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door like we said sold less than 2 million copies like if any game today from a AAA developer sells less than 2 million copies that that studio is shut down forever <laughs> luckily intelligent systems did not suffer that fate nintendo aren't quite that i guess callous with their studios they give them upteen chances to redeem themselves obviously we've had four mainline paper mario games since then uh one thing i didn't know about intelligent systems specifically is that this studio is 30 years old they're they were founded mm-hmm. in 1983 their first game was mario bros on the nes and their latest game was WarioWare get it together on switch which came out just last year mike in the last 30 years or so this company has developed over 100 games Intelligent Systems has just been a force for Nintendo. Yeah. Like, they have taken Nintendo through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge, huge shout-out to them, for sure. Definitely. We have them to thank for Paper Mario, uh, Fire Emblem, WarioWare, Advanced Wars. I don't think that they're doing the remake, the Advanced Wars reboot camp. I don't I'm think not so. Sure. No, the developer behind that, I remember looking it up a couple of days ago. It was not Intelligent Systems, but do have to give them a huge shout-out for just carrying a lot of these franchises through thick and thin. Like Paper Mario has had its rough at-bats in the last few years, and even Fire Emblem had a slow start as well. It wasn't until the characters were brought to Melee where it, it found a Western audience and became basically Nintendo's probably fourth or fifth best-selling franchise of all time at this point. Yeah, I mean, like the 3DS game, Awakening, uh, yeah. like that that was a huge, huge boon for them because mm-hmm. the, uh, it was Fire Emblem was always kind of a more of a niche audience for sure. Uh, Path of Radiance, of course, which came out at the end of the GameCube's life cycle, uh, exactly a year actually after Paper Mario did. And that game is famously goes for you know, close to $300 today. This episode of the GameCube is Cool podcast is sponsored by Manscaped.com. For the last 20 years, I have wondered how Mario got so smooth for his role in Paper Mario and still managed to look so damn good looking. 
I have no doubt that he, like many other people, started using Manscaped products in order to get rid of unnecessary hair on their face and other areas too. I've been using the Lawnmower 4.0 for weeks now and have noticed a huge difference in my body hair removal routine, with blade guards to keep my sensitive areas safe and the little headlight on the handle for easy navigation in those dark spots, like I'm driving along Toad's Turnpike in Mario Kart 64. Manscaped has a fully loaded assortment of hardware and creams to keep me looking my best. Manscaped is also here to equip our listeners with body wash, shampoo, body spray, and foot deodorant, which are all great smelling products for our lady listeners out there too. We have heard firsthand from several of our listeners now that the boxers are literally the softest pair of underwear they have ever felt. Level up from the store-bought barred soaps and the deodorants you've been using since 8th grade and head on over to manscaped.com using our promo code GAMECUBE at checkout to save 20% on your order. That's promo code G-A-M-E-C-U-B-E at checkout to save 20% on your order, plus free shipping. Now, back to the podcast. I think that there's a huge difference with a a game franchise when there's one per console generation compared to multiple. Yeah. Like, I I have a hard time imagining that the Fire Emblem games of now will be any, will be super expensive just because there is a game in the in the franchise every couple of years or every year in some cases. And I think that that's why fans are so passionate about the games where we only get one every five to ten years, like Paper Mario. Uh, like, we always compare every game in the Paper Mario series to the Thousand Year Door. That doesn't happen with games like Kirby or games like Yoshi, like, like franchises that get one or two or three or four uh, iterations per console lifecycle, like Mario Party games. Like, like no one ever compares Mario Party 10 to Mario Party 4. Uh, because they're just so frequent. I think when the games are so staggered, like Paper Mario, it, we, we just hold them up to a different acclaim. And that's something that I really want to talk about today with uh, with one of our callers. Yes, that's right, Neil. I would love to talk about this with her. Our first guest of the show today, very special guest, is Kate Gray. And Kate is an award-winning journalist. She's written for publications such as Nintendo Life, Kotaku, and even wrote a review on Paper Mario Color Splash that you can find on Rolling Stone. We'll be talking about that soon enough. Uh, Kate was last on the show for the Harvest Moon episode, where she took us through the world of Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons, and of course talked to us all about the life of being a journalist in the video game industry. So first of all, Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, anytime. And uh, our first question to you is, what was your first entry into the Paper Mario series? Oh, easy. It was a uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. On the nice. GameCube. On the GameCube, yes. The, yep. Your indigo blue GameCube that uh, that you owned back in the day. I, I think I still have it somewhere in England that I need to check with my dad where he's put it. <laughs> it still exists. Yeah. Have him ship it to you as soon as possible. That'd be awesome. I know. Oh. And did you eventually go back later and play the N64 and then the other games as well in the series? I did. Technically, I didn't go back because I played it on the Wii Virtual Console. Okay. So kind of going forward and back yeah. yeah well it's one of those series that you can jump around especially with the the n64 one and then you don't have to play them in order it's not like you need to play the n64 one to understand what's going on in sticker star or anything so yeah i think most mario games you can play pretty much out of order right yeah pretty much which is the beauty of it too right and, and did you ever play yeah. the the kind of original game in the paper mario world which would be uh, super mario rpg did you ever play that I actually haven't. That's, uh, I think, the only one I've not played. That's a good one. It's a really good I played it on the um, the SNES Classic when that came out a couple of years ago uh, because 
it's very expensive if you want to buy the cartridge, and I didn't buy it on Wii U or Wii. Uh, I played that to death. That was a really good game. Uh, you can definitely see the Paper Mario influence that they took from. Yeah. Uh, I'd highly recommend it. If you're a fan of the early Paper Mario games, definitely go back and, and check it out. I wanted to know, because I'm a Paper Mario fan, but my first entry in the series was the one on Wii, and I think like I'm in the minority of people who didn't play Thousand Year Door first. Do you think that playing Thousand Year Door first kind of tarnished your your vision on the series like like finding it hard to go to the later entries where they don't do as many rpg things yeah i mean hmm. i i really liked the one on the wii i think coming from thousand year door (laughs) i was kind of like oh maybe that one was sort of a just a really high quality one and this one's all right but it's a bit gimmickier that's super paper mario i think it's called Yeah. yeah so starting with thousand year door really set me up for like it's one of like the greatest games of all time. <laughs> right. Like I, I'm not the only one who thinks that. If I was, I would be ashamed to say that because you know. <laughs> but a lot of people are like, wow, this is like, it, it has its flaws, but it's it's really a masterpiece. It's aged very well. So it is sort of like starting with Wagyu beef and then having yeah. a series of disappointing burgers. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like that <laughs> analogy. Really good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it means I've got a good reference point uh, as to what I think the Paper Mario series can and could be, uh, but it does mean that I'm consistently disappointed. So, yeah. <laughs> kind of like Harvest Moon, honestly, to go going back to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's similar. It's funny how that, that uh, those share similarities. But yeah, Paper Mario Thousand in Your Door, obviously, you mentioned it. Uniqueness is what makes this game so good. And the, the, the reason that it's held the test of time is the fact that Nothing is really being able to do this again in the Nintendo, especially Mario world. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about the dialogue. You know, the dialogue in this game is is almost bordering like T uh, rated uh, for a lot of it. <laughs> uh, what, like, what was your f- first reaction to this? When did you pl- first play? I guess Paper Mario. Were you were you younger or were you older? I mean, it must have been around like the early 2000s. Okay. So I would have been. I don't know, 10-ish. But I think that one of the reasons it hit me so hard is that when you're a kid, especially like pre-teen and early teens, you want people to very suddenly treat you like an adult. Uh, you, right. you don't want to be in this transitional phase where everyone's kind of not sure if you're a child or a teen or a grown-up. You just want to skip straight to grown-up, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so when you play a game like Paper Mario the thousand year door and it's not talking down to you but it's still appealingly bright and colorful and happy and fun and accessible for children i i think that's one of the reasons it sort of sticks with you you know Mm -hmm. it's like chrono trigger and earthbound those games don't treat you like a child Mm -hmm. they they treat you like a grown-up and that feels really cool I think even as a kid, you can tell when a game is dumbing things down for you. Right. <laughs> yeah, and Color Splash ended up doing that later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That game just holds your hand. <laughs> that game holds your hand, I think, to the very end. Did you end up finishing Color Splash? You reviewed it for Rolling Stone. I, I wanted to ask you about that. Did you play it from start to finish? I played maybe the first couple hours. I borrowed it from the library. So did did the game ever like kind of challenge you towards the end, or was it just tutorial all the way through? It wasn't a game that I finished, and I, I know as a reviewer that's a bit of a touchy yeah. subject, um, but the the crux of it is I don't get paid enough to spend like 30 to 80 hours on a game uh, as much as I would love to. <laughs> 
it was a pretty accurate review, even having not beat it. Like, I, I think you, you should be able yeah. to get a pretty good idea of the game, even maybe playing it halfway through, especially for a Paper Mario game. Like, you know, it's not going to, yeah. you're not going to have multiple endings or anything. No, I mean, there are definitely games where if you play eight hours, but you don't play the last three hours, you're actually, your review isn't going to be very accurate because maybe it totally tanks mm. in the last, you know, quarter of the game. Right. But a Paper Mario game is is formulaic. And I've been around in journalism enough to kind of be able to fill in some of the blanks. Um, right. So I I didn't get on with Color Splash. I didn't really want to finish it. And I think that that is an important distinction to make. Um, that when you're reviewing a game and you're like, you know, if I was playing this for fun, this is where I would stop. Right. <laughs> so I, I did sort of feel like that. It felt like such a chore to play. And it's been so long since I've actually played it. It's like eight six years ago six years yeah. yeah i remember when it came out because we lived close to a mall that had like a little nintendo booth it was kind of like canada's test bed to see if a nintendo store would make sense there's one in what mm. japan and there's one in new york city that mike and i have been to so they were kind of testing the market to see if a nintendo store would make sense here in in the toronto area basically and they had this huge marketing push for Paper Mario Color Splash. That was one of like the only games that they ever did. And they had like 20 people in like Paper Mario t-shirts. They had like giant cardboard <laughs> standees. They had demo booths set up. I was there. I was like the oldest person, like six foot two, 23 year old guy there with a bunch of kids playing Paper Mario <laughs> on these Wii U game pads. And I was having a great time because it was just like a cool experience. But then like, because it's such a bright, colorful game. That's the thing that all of these games do so well is that they're all artistically beautiful. The writing is yeah. always on point. Uh, and I only got a chance to play maybe two minutes and it's like, oh, you get to play one battle and it's like, okay, this battle's all right. But like, once you got to play it for a couple of hours, it gets repetitive and they took away so many things that made thousand year door special, which was like experience mm -hmm. points and like giving you a reason to go into battles when they removed experience points. It just like, I'm just going to run away from every battle now because this is like a 30 hour game. I'm not going to waste my time battling people when it doesn't make a difference whether or not I do or don't. Yeah, and I think uh, it wasn't Color Splash that introduced the sort of gimmicky battle mechanics. I'd say that really began in maybe Super Paper Mario. Yeah. Um, maybe Sticker Star, which I think was the next one. Sticker Star was the one that really broke me, I think. That was the one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I I hate Sticker Star yep. so much. Mm. It's so beautiful. You're in good company. <laughs> like the, the thing where like, because it's on the 3DS, right? right. If you... If you move around the 3DS and you have like a holographic sticker, it like shines. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. What a good use of like the 3DS's accelerometer, which no one ever uses. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Why couldn't you have made a good game? <laughs> I know. Yeah, like, like I was, I think I was like, I might've got 20 hours into that game. I got far mm -hmm. and I was just, I was at, I was on break at work. I remember this, like, I remember this memory vividly. It was just like, I was like <laughs> looking around for stickers before I was going into a fight. Like, cause you need a certain amount of stickers to, for the moves and whatnot. And mm -hmm. like, I out loud was like, what the hell am I doing? And I just like closed the game. <laughs> I traded it back into EB games and I traded in for something else. I got like five bucks for it or whatever, but I was like, what the hell is this? So yeah, that, that was my memory with that game. But uh, let, let's, let's back up again and go back to Thousand Year Door, something a little bit more positive. <laughs> what is it about this game that makes it stand out from other, maybe not Paper Mario games, but other RPGs, let's say? I think it's just, especially for the era that it came out in, it had really inventive storytelling. Now, I still to this day have not ever really played to completion a Final Fantasy game, but I hear yeah. that they have interesting stories that uh, don't follow like video game 
genres. Conventions. Right. Conventions, yeah. You know, I, I've played Final Fantasy VII a little bit. And that's interesting because it's about, you know, climate change. Environmental terrorism. Yeah. So it's not that that, uh, Thousand Year Door is the only example from like the early 2000s, the GameCube era, of a game being like, what if video games could be something more, you know? (laughs) But it was my first example of that. Up until that point, uh, I had I had mostly played games that were, you know, Ocarina of Time kind of thing. You know, they were very much like, you know what you're getting. It's a hero, yep. it's a sword, it's a princess, it's a bad guy. Right. And then Paper Mario Thousand Year Door comes along and it's it sort of follows a lot of the same stuff. There's a hero, there's a princess, there's not a sword, but there's a hammer, <laughs> which is basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a magical door with some power sealed behind it you have to collect like six or eight MacGuffins to open the magical door and you're like all right so far so video game (laughs) and then uh let's see the first level what's the first level again that's Hooktail's castle isn't it correct yes yeah that's pretty video Uh gamey and then you get the boggly tree which is the low point of the game and then uh forget the order of the rest of the levels but at some point you get glitzville (laughs) I think that's chapter three in the game, and that's a lot of people's favorites. It's yeah, so far incredible. that's everyone's favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, other later levels like the um, Excess Express, which is like a murder mystery on a train, that's also awesome. That's my favorite part of the game by far. I love the murder mystery yes. on the train with Pennington, <laughs> the Penguin uh, detective. Yeah. He's so cute. I wanted an amiibo of him. I'd buy that day one. I wish he'd come back. Yeah, he's great. I, he should come back. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's just so much like. So much extra stuff put into this game for 2004. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. This game could have easily been, you know, 10 hours, relatively the same kind of song and dance like all the other RPGs at the time were, uh, with a, you know, a kind of quirky story. Uh, Mario House is, has his team around him. You switch them out. Like, yeah, it's fine. Cool. And it would still be rated a, a very good game and everyone would be happy. But they put so much detail and so many more things in it. Like, yeah, like a fight club, like a, a murder on the Orient Express kind of style. <laughs> like the, it, it was it was crazy how much extra detail they managed to cram into this game that was you know, 20, 25 hours. Yeah. And most of the people who were playing it were kids like us who hadn't really played a lot of RPGs before. We just got it because either... We liked Mario or our parents knew that we liked Mario. And so mm-hmm. they're like, oh, here, like, our, you know, this kid will probably like this. So <laughs> it's uh, and the fact that we were able to, like, stay with it and play it, even with all that dialogue, uh, says a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's a moment even in Hooktail's castle. Correct me if I'm wrong, where you're, you know, you're exploring this castle. You've got to go kill a dragon to save the princess. It's very, you know, by the book. Mm-hmm. And then you like go down a pipe and you end up in like a game show yeah that happens multiple times in it because it's uh yeah it's like the little chest that you go into where you get a quiz you get you get quizzed on certain things and because you have to like based on who you talk to in the game you have to kind of remember those things and then if you lose you get kicked out of the castle if you win i forget what happens if you win do you get like a special item or a special sticker probably a badge a badge something. yeah there's that too mm-hmm. i i just remember the parts when you get your your special power ups you get uh usually there's like a spirit in a chest and he's like oh let me out yes. i promise i'm not going to betray you 
and then he always ends up betraying you. It's like a like a bit of dramatical irony. Uh, and but yeah, yeah, but the betrayal is actually getting the badge. Yes, like, yeah. it's like getting something. He thinks good. That he's screwing you over by making you like cursing you to turn into a paper airplane, and now you can now you can fly <laughs> places. I love that. Like it's so cute. And yeah. he's like, oh no, now you now you're actually stronger. No, and it's it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like parts like parts like that. Like Mike was saying, so much care and charm put into the game that just make it like a few fractions of a percentage better that just add up to it being like this perfect RPG for the GameCube. Yeah, I think you can tell when the designers and the developers are having fun mm-hmm. making it. Yeah. And I think that that the cursed chest is an example of that. Like you can yeah, give Mario superpowers any way you want. It you know, you can feed him mushrooms, you can have a magical fairy, whatever. You know, you could do it in a very boring way or you could have a really evil chest be like ha. <laughs> I have cursed you to turn into a tube. (laughs) This sucks for you and I'm evil. And that's so much fun. It doesn't add anything mechanically, but narratively it it adds this extra layer of, like you said, charm. It's it's so good. (laughs) They're kind of freaky too. Like I was playing it this this morning and I kind of forgot about that. Oh my God, this is, this would have been a little scary for me as a kid. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me a little bit like I'm playing through Metroid Dread right now. And it reminds me of like a Metroidvania where you see like a, a platform that you can't get to, you can't jump to. Mm-hmm. And then and then you uncover the ability to fly or something. And now you realize like, oh, now I can jump and fly to that area. So then it unlocks this entire part of the castle and you can you can uh, progress farther. Uh, Mike, Mike and I are both not super big RPG fans. Maybe that's a thing in a lot of RPGs. But to me, it feels more like a Metroidvania kind of gameplay mechanic. Yeah, I would say so. A little bit Zelda as well, because yep. you have that mm-hmm. with Zelda with bombable walls in particular. You're like, oh, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's different in in Thousand Year Door because you know you you see uh, the paper plane platform and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I know I'm gonna get there. Right. Um, so it's not quite like the bombable walls where if you have the language, you know exactly what it means. It's more like you're excited to find out. So yeah, more like a Metroidvania mm-hmm. really. Because the game doesn't hold your hand the same way that it, like a Zelda does or like the later Paper Mario games does. It's kind of like, here's yeah. the world. Here's your, your visual clues based on your intelligence. We're going to let you figure it out now. It, it might hold mm-hmm. your hand a little bit, but like not to the point where it's like, hey, look over here. Like it's glowing when you walk past it or something. Like it's not nearly that obvious. Another thing that yeah. unlocks like different parts of the game and like progresses the game further are Mario's partners that you collect along the way. I have to ask, do you have a favorite partner that you gain in the game? Absolutely. Yeah. Mine is Miss Mouse. Uh, I actually have a little pin badge of her that I wear on the inside of my denim jacket. So if anybody ever compliments my pins, I go, there's a secret one. (laughs) And I open it and she's in there, just the other side of the pocket. And I'm like, oh, because she's a thief. (laughs) She likes hiding and she's the optional one. Right. So that makes me feel extra cool. (laughs) Mm, That's really cool, actually. That's obscure. I like that one. Yeah, she is one of the first or she's the first, I think, in the series to be a non-mandatory character that you can collect along the way because you can beat it without her. I think I did the first time around beat the game without her. I think yeah. I did too. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I didn't remember her until I kind of started playing it again this time. And I was like, oh, she's cool. <laughs> yeah, she's a cool character. She's, she's kind of so like, cool. she's kind of like Cat, to Catwoman's Batman, if you will. Because like, she's like very flirty with Mario, like almost uncomfortably yeah. flirty. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- uh, but that's like one of the things I love uh, is the, just like that almost uncomfortable dialogue that yeah. happens. And then the fourth wall breaking <laughs> dialogue. Uh, there's a lot of that with like acknowledging Mario as this like famous character right. uh, that everyone should mm-hmm. know. And they, they, they speak about him, yeah, basically as if he's just not like a hero 
or like someone from like a far off land, but like, oh no, he's like that character that people see on like TV almost. Right. Like that's how Goombella uh, <laughs> talks about him to everybody. And I, I love that. That's yeah. such a, like a great dialogue choice. Yeah, even just sitting here talking to you two, I'm remembering all these tiny, incredible details that, again, add nothing mechanically. Like, the fact that Luigi is on a parallel adventure that he keeps updating you on. And it's just, it's exactly a Super Mario adventure. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, I've done that one. Um, The fact that in Keelhaul Key, there's this adorable little mole character called a Wackabump. And he's like, I'm just a cute little guy. But he's very hammer hittable shaped <laughs> like he's he's yeah. shaped like the a switch <laughs> yeah so of course the first thing you do is hit him and he's like why did you do that and you can only do it i think three times before he just doesn't come back oh, no. that's so sad <laughs> oh no yeah it's like little cute oh. things yeah there's just like these little characters along the way like i really like the like the casino where you're in the main the main town square that's run by um, the Piana gang. Right, what do they call the, P- yeah. the Piana? <laughs> uh, Piantas. And it's like yeah. this mob mafia family that like own the town, basically. Like there's this entire like mob organization going on in the town. Like there are some mature themes like that. Like we talked about with one of our guests the other day about like how there's straight up a noose in the middle of town. Like what's going on in this in this sea shanty town uh, where they're they're hanging people in the court square? Graffiti all <laughs> over the walls there too. Yeah. There's a room that just trash. That you can go into. There's um, there's a toad that wants to beat you up because you uh, stepped on his contact lens. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that like that town is rough. It's it's had some yeah. rough times, <laughs> and you know I can't think of any other Mario game that would have something like that. The closest thing I think of is like Super uh, Mario Odyssey. Uh, when they go to mm-hmm. the uh, the the dragon, like you know when you fight the dragon there, and it's yep. like everything's abandoned. That's one of the close, the weirdest things in a Mario game I've ever seen, and they never went back to that. <laughs> yeah, the dragon. Yeah, fight. that was a very weird, like one-off Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. Now. I think the thing I like about Rogueport, which is the sort of hub world for uh, Thousand Year Door, is that it's so Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Mm. It's like this crappy little shanty town that harbors great secrets, like ancient secrets, in its sewers. Mm-hmm. And the legend has been lost to time because it's it's just a city of rogues and rapscallions. And I think that's, yeah, that's like, that's the setup to a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yeah. It's insane. It's so inventive. Like the, the secret, the mystery is all like, it's underneath our feet all along. Like yeah. It's the classic story yeah. where it's like, oh, we're right back where we started. Now let's unlock this door and fight the big bad boss. Yeah, and and we're in the sewers, uh, like where, where Mario began, you know, yes. plumbing in the sewers. Oh, I... Didn't even make that connection because he's so far removed from his plumbingness. <laughs> well, one, oh, I was playing again, playing today, and I was in the sewers of Rogueport, and uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but a lot of the songs that that are in Paper Mario are kind of variations of the classic Mario themes. Like, for example, when you uh, win a battle, it's kind of the flagpole theme. Uh, you know, when you mm-hmm. when you finish a, finish a level in Super Mario World. And it's uh, when you're in the sewers, there are some variations on like the, the kind of mm-hmm. like the yeah. underground themes that they would always have in the in the Mario games. I right. picked up on that as, you know, playing as an adult. I was like, oh, that is good job, Intelligent Systems and whoever, <laughs> whoever did the music. 
Yeah, because at the end yeah. of the day, it's a spinoff of a Mario series, right? Like, it's not meant to be its its own. It is its own series now, but in the 2000s, especially in 2000 and 2004, they probably had no idea how long they were going to go with this, especially since the sales were declining until the Wii game. They 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 must have thought, well, we'll just we'll have fun with this and see how long it lasts. It's now been 22 mm-hmm. years, I guess. But uh, we've been gushing about this game quite a bit uh, today. I, I want to ask, Kate, do you have anything that you would rather, that you'd like to see improved in Thousand Year Door or like a negative towards the game? That's a good question. I think it's it's just that I want more of the bits that I really liked. Yeah. Some DLC on a console that doesn't have internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd like to have some internet. <laughs> For me, it was always the, like the, for me, the only issue I ever had with it was uh, that I guess it's like a roulette system where after every fight or during the fight, sorry, you have to match three on this like spinning wheel and there's no skill to it. It's completely luck. And sometimes it saves you from a fight where like you have this strategy all planned out and then this uh, the wheel turns and now you have full flower power again. And now like everything changes and like sometimes you'd get two in a row like it's a match three. You'd get two and then the third one isn't what you need. So you start from scratch again. It's like, why is this here exactly? I I never really understood that part of the battle system, but... I think I agree. And I think if there is one area that I would improve, it would be also in the battle system. I quite like the battle system. I'm not really a turn-based kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really a combat gal in general. <laughs> it it feels like filler in a lot of sure. games. Sorry, video games. Uh, 98% of video games. <laughs> yeah, I, some video games have good combat. Like God of War is very interesting mm-hmm. and, and strategical. That's not a word. Strategic. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'll accept strategical as well. <laughs> Adding coal to a word should always count. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in uh, Thousand Year Door, um, I pretty much never used the star powers mm. because they were so difficult to get right. Um, and they used up a lot of your resources and a lot of your time. And then they were just really difficult to pull off. So I usually didn't bother with most of them at all i think yeah. yeah the battle system did have a little bit too much to it like i think mm-hmm. sometimes enough is enough like if you go back to the n64 game it is a bit more basic the battle system and it's kind of nice it's like a stripped down thousand year door battle system so it made it a little yeah. bit more enjoyable or at least palatable because like you're so used to the thousand year doors uh battle system and you go back to this basic one and it's so much more easier to to, to comprehend so yeah, there was that. And then there was also like little bits in there where, where like the audience would throw things at you and there was pretty much nothing you could do about it unless you were like really quick on the uh, the draw for defending. Uh, yeah. Like sometimes you'd have one heart left and then like a random light would fall on your head and now you're dead and you need to start the whole fight over again from your last your last save point. Like that type of stuff was just super not fun. Uh, I, I'm like you. I don't love turn-based battling either because it's like... I especially in a game like Pokemon sometimes or some of the other turn-based strategy games where like you, you pick a fight, you pick an attack move and then it just says you missed and like you had no control over it. <laughs> like I always hated yeah. that or like, you know, sometimes it does more damage or sometimes it does less damage. It's all luck-based. That's something I love about Paper Mario is that you have the ability to press A at the right time or hold B at a certain point or flick your joystick a certain way. And if you time it just right, it does more damage. Like you're involved in every single move. You don't just push a button and wait. You do have more control over it, which is nice in that fact. My The only improvement I can think of uh, when I was playing this game again was I would love to be able to just kill the small enemies right away. Because, you know, if you hit an enemy beforehand, basically before the battle system starts, you go into the battle system, you you get the, the hit right, and then you just kill them. 
You know, they only have yeah. two HP or something, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to go through that whole kind of cutscene almost of like, yeah. oh, you won the battle, it's done. You and now, one XP. you know, I, like, I just wanted to kill, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to kill this Goomba. Like, I just wanted to, to just jump on it and kill it and move on. Is that not a thing in, in Thousand Year Door? Because I know that's a thing in the later uh, games is that if a, if you reach a certain level, you can just kill Goombas in the overworld, just bonk and they're dead. It's definitely a thing in uh, the latest one, yeah. Origami King. In Origami King, it was. I don't remember it being a thing in the Thousand Year Door, though. No, not at least not as I didn't get leveled up uh, enough to to find out, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I that was the only thing that I was like, oh, I wish to just get rid of these enemies. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to avoid them as much as I could after after a certain period because I didn't really care about those two star powers yeah. or the, the the XP that I would yeah. get from it. Yeah, it's true. But I did want to talk a little bit just with you, Kate, about. You know, almost the business side, I guess, of this game. So this game, uh, although it is often cited as one of the best GameCube games, if not the best GameCube game ever made, uh, didn't do great in sales. Uh, only sold how many, Neil? 1.9 million units. So it had like a about a 10% attach rate to the GameCube, which is pretty good, actually, compared to other consoles, but not great for a Mario game. Yeah, and I just want to kind of talk to you about uh, why do you think Paper Mario Thousand Year Door didn't do well commercially? I think diluting the Mario brand with the word paper is probably confusing Mm -hmm. to people. Uh, Not to mention that the cover doesn't really look like a Mario game, at least not what they looked like back then. Right. Uh, When did Sunshine come out, though? 2002. Okay, so we'd had Super Mario Sunshine, and maybe people were sort of like, you know, that wasn't very <laughs> what I wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so maybe people were just sort of like, I'm gonna, I'm kind of cool on Mario right now. Um, I wonder if that contributed. Uh, do we know Sunshine sales stats? Super Mario Sunshine, 6.28 million units, which like compared to okay. like the numbers that we're getting now on Switch, it's really hard to compare GameCube yeah. sales to Switch sales, where like the best-selling GameCube game is Melee at 7.4 million, which like the the like the like 10th best-selling game on Switch is like 20 million. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard to, to compare the two. The only theory that I can think of in that why like Paper Mario wasn't selling well is that another series was just starting to take off on Game Boy Advance and DS was coming up now was the Mario and Luigi series, which are very similar to yeah. Paper Mario. Um, I've always kind of had it in my head that uh, Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi series both kind of split off of Super Mario RPG. Yeah. Yep, which is true. Yep. Yeah, and they even cross paths okay. as well. <laughs> they, they, they even cross paths on the 3DS. They had that Paper Jam game, I think it was called, which it's not good. No, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's sort of not really a good game of either. Yeah. Which is a shame. Because uh, the Mario and Luigi series is pretty good. Like the one on Game Boy Advance is yeah. great. There's a few on DS that are really good. Uh, they remade them all basically on 3DS. Like, But they're, they're just so similar to, to Paper Mario. They're an RPG about the same amount of time. The characters look very similar. The, the story is always pretty similar. Like you end up having to team up with Bowser at some point uh, to fight like another yeah. boss, which which I like about these spinoff games is that Bowser's not the big bad bad guy in these games there's usually someone else it just makes the games so much more interesting when mario and luigi and bowser partner up to fight something yeah i agree i think another reason too why this didn't do as well is is the release date honestly we're looking at october 2004 at this point i talked about earlier in the episode how the gamecube sales were going quite down uh, at this point in its life cycle and also this is over four years removed from uh paper mario 64 uh, which i know four years now 
I mean, look at Zelda. It's been five years since Breath of the Wild, but four years now is nothing. But back then, like, most games were almost annualized franchises. Like, things were coming out uh, at least every two years, three years. So I think having that four-year gap, you know, four-and-a-half-year gap between games definitely hurt as well. I think there's an interesting thing to be said for the way games grow up with you as well. Mm. Like, I was, my first Zelda was Ocarina of Time, you know, which is a great place to start. Yeah. It's it's yep. very video game, as I've <laughs> said. Um, it's also very Zelda. It's pretty much the benchmark for what Zelda would later become. Uh, and now the latest Zelda, even though it's five years old, is Breath of the Wild, which is very adult and mature and deep uh and it it turns ocarina of time stuff on its head but if you have a series that doesn't grow up with you then at some point you're going to grow out of it you know so i wonder if that's a thing with with paper mario is that like the 64 one was maybe like if you're i don't know eight when that comes out then by the time thousand year door comes out you're like 12 and you're starting to be like too cool for video games (laughs) it's funny though that i wanted to talk to you about that too because like i was thinking about this when i was at work today is that it seems like that there's certain nintendo games that we decided that there is a benchmark game and that they're like they should get better (laughs) with every iteration like like paper mario is a good example of that another one is like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite games star fox on the n64 i've always wanted the games to get better and to to, to come out really uh but like for them to at least get better and they never did like star fox zero on the wii u is horrible uh but there's there's certain franchises like i think of something like kirby where these games come out and there's really not a lot different about them i know that kirby has his little mouthful mode now yeah we don't look yeah. at kirby in the forgotten land and then go like oh but, but it, we don't compare it to the wii game you yeah. know or like the epic yarn like we don't do that with kirby but we do it with paper mario like in every paper mario review you will see the thousand year door written at some point <laughs> that's very true that's actually a really good point yeah and like yeah. like like with mario party like when the latest mario party comes out like it, we always compare it to the old games but like we don't bash the new mario party game because the, the mini games weren't as good as mario party 4 mm. i wonder why that is i don't know if that's like if it's a kirby thing uh because everyone's just like so happy to see him he's just a little guy and he's so fun <laughs> yeah. whereas mario's like this is the big one everybody come look at this it's ready i think in my mind it's because of the fact that thousand year door especially was made more for like the adult mature audience mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. i think like things like mario parties or even the mario sports games or kirby are are very much you know family friendly kid you know very like it just for everybody it literally is the e for everybody for sure right mm-hmm. where yeah. paper mario felt like an actual you know legit contest like contestant to like for like best game of the year it could it could hold its own against zelda it could hold its own against the final fantasies that were going on at, at the time like it felt like a, a you know quote unquote real game for for gamers whereas kirby is a game for babies <laughs> yeah. and i'm one of them and i'm looking forward to it hey i love kirby i love kirby yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that like when a, when a, if a kirby comes out and it's just good we kind of shrug but if a mario a paper mario game comes out that's good we like treat it like someone just killed our <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's funny how we have there's such like a there's no in between it seems like uh, it's it's really interesting i think it also has something to do with that there is only one paper mario game per generation there's usually only one zelda or mario kart per generation so if these games aren't 
spectacular, it just hurts a little bit more because we know that we have to wait another five or six years for a game to come out. Whereas if a Mario Party game comes out and it's bad, we'll just you know shrug and think, well, there's another the one. one. Probably there's another one coming out in three weeks. It's like it's fine. <laughs> uh, so that probably has something to do with it too. But yeah, I find it really interesting when certain series have like a benchmark game that is always referenced, and some series just don't. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. with Zelda, everyone has a different one. Maybe. Yeah. And Mario, too. Yeah. And Pokemon. Yeah. yeah, the big ones, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, to add to that, too, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, it, you can't play it anywhere today. And that's, like, another <sighs> yeah. issue here, and which uh, we can talk about right now. So, in order to buy Paper Mario, we said it at the beginning of last episode, it's $150, roughly Canadian, to buy a, a used copy of Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Um, Kate, do you still own your copy? Do you still have that $150 value copy? <laughs> uh, so my, my story is very sad, uh, in that I'm oh, no. like 70% sure that my parents didn't sell the GameCube, but did sell all the games that came with it. Or like there's somewhere, <laughs> yeah, I know, because I've got the thing and it's yeah. easy to get a GameCube. They're still relatively cheap. I yeah. want the games. Uh, they might be in a shed somewhere. Um, but I, I don't live in the same country as the shed, so that's not very helpful. <laughs> so eventually when I went away to university and then I moved to London, I was like, I'm going to get this game back. Uh, but I couldn't afford the $150 like in-box version. So yeah. I bought like a loose disc for £35, which is probably like... $50? bucks Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. It would be now, but this was like 10 years ago. Uh, so more. Yeah. who knows? Too much. <laughs> yeah. And it came just like wrapped in bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a Secure. loose GameCube disc. So yeah, um, I didn't even get a chance to test it. I don't know if it works. Oh, no. It's unceremoniously yeah. tossed at you like it's a receipt. Like here's your copy of Paper Mario. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's 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 absolutely crazy, and you know it just it's it's embarrassing, honestly, at this point yeah. that this is one of the best games ever made. It's one hundred fifty dollars to buy a used game, uh, a used mm-hmm. Nintendo published game, and I can't play it literally anywhere online. Yep, they're not good at uh, game preservation. No. No. And that is an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Actively trying to stop it from happening. It's the one thing all Nintendo fans can agree on is that there's no way to play any games except for Earthbound or whatever. Like that's the only thing that they seem to want to put out is Earthbound and Super Mario. Uh, What's Super Mario World on the SNES? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's it's interesting though to like kind of go back to uh, when it came, when Paper Mario came out in 2004. A lot of these games ended up having a second life on the Wii. I think of mm-hmm. uh, Strikers kind of getting a, a 1.5, like a sequel almost uh, on the Wii. We have Power Tennis as well. Like the sports games got their sequels. All, all the sports uh, games got basically like a sh- like adding motion controls. And then the Pikmin games did. Pikmin, yeah, yeah exactly. Pikmin got it. Metroid Prime got their trilogy. So these were games that actually sold less than Paper mm-hmm. Mario Thousand Year Door. Yeah. Uh, and somehow Paper Mario Thousand Year Door did not make it onto the Wii in any form. And I I just thought that was really, really strange to me. Yeah. It was actually the first time I ever tried emulation. Uh, Nintendo, if you're listening, uh, leave me alone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was to try and play the Thousand Year Door when I was, you know, I think in university. And it was impossible. I, 
I don't know what I was doing wrong, but basically the uh, the dolphin emulator that I was using mm. couldn't figure out how to make everything paper. So <laughs> uh. everything was just constantly like a weird shape and everything was moving in the wrong way. Um, so I could never get past the first bit. And um, I, there's a part of me that wonders like maybe... That's why Nintendo never brought it to any other platforms because maybe they had the same problem. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But they should be able to figure it out. I know. Yeah, they're not the best at tech. Like I've seen Let's Plays on YouTube of, of this game and like I don't know what the what the creator was doing, if it was on Dolphin or if they were using some kind of like an HD splitter. I, I honestly don't know how to do these things. My, my GameCube is hooked up to my HD TV using the red, white, and yellow connection still. Uh, but like <laughs> yeah. the, the visuals of Paper Mario on this video were beautiful. Like it looked sharp. There was no blur at all. Like it looked like an HD mm. remake of The Thousand Year Door uh, that mm. I would wish Nintendo put out. But I'm sure that when we do eventually get this on whatever their GameCube virtual console is, it will be the condensed seven, what is it, seven twenty p kind of copy where the the line the edges are blacked out, so it looks like you're playing it on a tube TV, basically. Uh, mm. That's probably the best we can ask for at this point. And that's better than what we have right now. So I guess we should which be grateful, <laughs> which is nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that. Kate, do you see Nintendo bringing Thousand Year Door to a console at some point in the future in any way? So there are two methods that that they would use to bring it to the Switch, which is, I guess, the only option right now, because they seem to have abandoned their proper handheld division. So whatever. Um, (laughs) So they would either bring it to the Nintendo Switch Online service, which Mm -hmm. would mean they'd have to do a GameCube uh, service and the way that the N64, the NES, and the SNES stuff has been going, and the Mega Drive. Sorry, it's not to forget the Mega Drive. <laughs> who could, for, who could forget? Do. The way that's been going is that it's been very slow, very patchy, not very well emulated. I think if we're gonna get a GameCube version, it's way off, years off. So that leaves what if they remastered it? And looking at the recent. Nintendo-y remasters we've had. We've had uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that was available for two minutes, I think. And then they, then they <laughs> took it off the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, here's the thing that you've been asking for and you can't have it. Ha <laughs> ha Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like they've done some other... Uh, stuff but i can't yeah, remember they did a lot on 3ds like the 3ds was getting so many yeah. remat like random remat yeah. like they put xenoblade on there they put luigi's mansion on there they put like a donkey kong game from the wii on there uh, i mean the advanced yeah. wars the, are getting remastered which is uh yeah. and remade which is mm, a true. really obscure one so and they the that what's that obscure rpg old game neil that's getting remastered Oh, uh, live, oh alive. live alive! Yeah, live yeah. alive! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like 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 you know. Before I was very cynical. If if Paper Mario or a lot of these games would ever get remastered or remade, we talked about this on the Chibi Robo episode because I was like, Chibi Robo will never go out. But now that that game is going to be made, like that's a thirty year old game that was only available in Japan. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Can't anything be made yeah. at this point? <laughs> Do you not think that they're trying to placate us? By throwing out, like they they've got their big old Nintendo archives, and they're like, oh, the fans are going on about Paper Mario again. Can you just dig in the archives, find some random game from twenty years ago, and we'll throw some money at that, and that'll shut them up for a little bit. They can just keep doing that forever. Yeah, it's working for them too. Uh, that that's when I'm turning over to the indie space, though. Like especially with like we talked about on the Chibi Robot episode, there's a great little robot game being made by a. An indie developer, they're heavily influenced by Chibi Robo. They made that. 
And we talked about yesterday with Jeff, Bug Fables, which is a an RPG, yes. an indie RPG on the Switch. Came out, I think, two years ago now, uh, which is basically Paper Mario, but you play as bugs instead of the Mario Kingdom. And it looks really good. Like, I haven't played Origami King, but I'm picking up Bug Fables before I pick up Origami King. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard that Bug Fables is like Paper Mario. Yeah. But I haven't gone which one because that <laughs> yeah. makes a big deal. Like, yeah. it's if someone goes, oh, it's a lot like Sticker Star, then I'm not going to touch it. But I think they mean like maybe the original, maybe Thousand Year Door. I think that that's what they're getting at. Yeah, when they when they when they reference this series, they know who they're talking to, and they know what <laughs> they know what we hope that they mean. So yeah, they they mean the good ones. Yeah. Well, Kate, it's been. Great having you on today uh, to talk about this game, your favorite game of all time. And I, I can't argue with that. It is just one of the best games ever made. Uh, and I just want to bring up uh, this tweet from you from 2017, five years ago. Oh, no. Uh, you're on you blast said, now. You're on blast now. <laughs> <laughs> you said Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door invented uh, fidget spinners 13 years ago, and that is why it is the best video game. <laughs> Did it? And you have the, I don't know what they, you're, they're called. It's like... Um, they look like fidget spinners in the game. The like X shaped. Yeah, the guys? X shaped guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember X knots. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when wow. I was looking at your your color splash review, I also found this, and I uh, I had to screenshot this and I had a little laugh. So, I, great tweet, great tweet from five years ago. Excellent. Good job, me. I don't remember <laughs> tweeting it, but yeah. <laughs> Very relevant, very relevant reference for sure. <laughs> awesome. And of course, Kate, we'll give you this time to plug uh, yourself and uh, anything else that you're working on right now. Okay. Um, a lot of what I'm working on is like secret and I can't tell you, but you can find a lot of my non-secret work currently at Nintendo Life. And as you can probably tell, my Twitter is full of bangers. <laughs> so you can follow me at How Not to Draw. Uh, I'm the same on Instagram. I mostly post food um but the food is also bangers hmm. so not like the sausages and mash yeah no oh. <laughs> occasionally occasionally but it's not all sausages i'm afraid that'd be the weirdest instagram um, account on the planet if it was just sausages <laughs> i know i know maybe someday that's the dream uh i think that's about it that's that's me yeah we did read your recent article uh when you ranked all the batman games Mm. Uh, of all time oh my god okay so we keep like spider-man came out at the end of last year mm -hmm. and we were like we should rank all the spider-man games and there was like 36 of them and it sucked <laughs> because we had to write a little blurb for every single one i haven't played any of them oh, no. and there were like i think three different ones that were all called the amazing spider-man mm. yep. but they were all different it was a nightmare. Right. And then because the Batman movie came out, we did the same thing with Batman. So. It's a good idea. And we, of course, did our Batman episode when the Batman movie came out. And I was very happy to see that you put Dark Tomorrow uh, at the very end there. Cause, or very low, uh, at least, because that game is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Superhero games hit and miss, for sure. Yeah. It's fun to do, though, those ranking yep. lists. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and having someone from Nintendo Life join us. It's a huge honor. So uh, thank you so much for giving us your, your hour tonight. We hope to have you back on real soon. We still have about 140 yeah. games to cover. So uh, please, we'll we'll be sure to reach out to you. If, you. if there's any games you'd like to come on for, you're, you're more than welcome to. Okay, thank you. Also, on Nintendo Life, Thousand Your Door only has an 8 out of 10. If you want to fix that, Kate... <laughs> I can try. I can try. Would your boss really notice if you change that to just a 10? <laughs> just, 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 just. <laughs> <True. a> <laughs> All right. All right. Take care, Kate.
What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you very much, Kate, for coming on today. Just killing it with all that Paper Mario knowledge. Uh, so many great memories that uh, she brought up and and we helped her bring up too. Uh, the, the, the nostalgia is real for this game. Oh my God, dude. Like it's, it's such a cool game, such a cool franchise. I want to love the all the games that came after Super Paper Mario. Like it's one of the things that... Like, I hate about myself that I don't like the uh, the later Paper Mario games. Like, every time I think, like, oh, I'll, maybe I'll pick up Origami King this week, I'm just reminded that, like, oh, yeah, there's no experience points in that game. Like, the mm-hmm. there's a lot of paper puns, and I'm just like, ah, maybe not. Maybe I'll just go back and play Thousand Year Door or Bug Fables for the first time. Like, there's just other stuff to play. And, unfortunately, Paper Mario is so far down the <laughs> list of new games that I want to pick up. Like, it doesn't even come out on the radar anymore. Uh, I, I loved Kate's story, though, about how she said, like, she wanted to pick up games back in the day that made her feel like an adult. Yeah. Like, like you want to try and justify your, I guess, your existence by the games that you play and justify your maturity by the games that you play. But it's funny because, like, in my family, I'm the main gamer. And no matter what video games I buy and play, just the fact that I'm playing video games, my parents will always see me as a child. Like, I could be playing The Last of Us, like, cutting out people's throats, no pun, like, just literally, like, killing people (laughs) with golf clubs and baseball bats, and my parents will still think that I'm a child playing video games in the basement. No matter how gritty or mature the games get, I will always be, like, the immature one. Yeah, that's this weird culture that I really want to die forever, because I hate that. (laughs) You want my parents to die? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but uh, but what I mean is not for your parents to die, but but for this this um this way that that people are looked at for just like having experience in video games because we all have and it, whenever I talk about my life to people and say that I co-host the GameCube podcast and I'm sure Kate if she's listening to this episode uh, the rest of this episode uh, has the same opinion um, when I tell people that I I do stuff with video games. They kind of go to me like, oh, like video games. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, I don't really play anymore. I don't do this, but I can always find a way to go back, like, you know, tie it back to their experiences, like every single time. Definitely. And I can guarantee that, like, give me five minutes and I'll show you a game on Switch that you'll find super fun, yeah. like a party game or a simple puzzle game. It'll it'll bring you in. Eventually, like, the, the boomers will, will move on and games will just be a part of life. But, uh, Mike, I think I hear the phones still ringing off the hook. Do we have another caller joining us today? Yes, we do, Neil. We have friend of the show, Jason, who is joining us. Our last caller for these episodes. And Jason, our first question to you is, what was your first entry into the Paper Mario series? My first entry, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me back. Great to be here again, uh, especially for this episode. Uh, my <laughs> a, first, good a good game, game by yeah. the way. <laughs> well, Budokai was good too, but uh, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, my first entry was with Paper Mario on N64. I, uh, I used to play it a lot. It, uh, it always came back to that. We'd always have uh, neighbors over, and my brother, myself, and our two neighbors would all split uh, the game two worlds each until the game was over and it was like a sleepover weekend and we did this many times huh. <laughs> and what's crazy is i'm playing it now on the switch on the emulator that comes with it and i'm remembering all of these things from like way back when uh for example in dry dry desert uh at one part of the desert there's a coin block on the ground that is already uh hit 
And if you hit it with the hammer over and over again, you'll get a mushroom, then a super shroom, then an ultra shroom. Wow. And it's just remembering things like that are crazy. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo is like such a master at hiding little things like that in their games. And the spinoffs are no no exception. Like there's something like that in every single 2D and 3D Mario game. But it's so cool when they could throw that into into the Paper Mario series. I have to ask you, so you played Paper Mario in its original form on the N64 back in 2000? Or are you talking about memories of playing it on the Wii Virtual Console? Oh, no, no, no. N64 in nice. 2000. Okay, so so nice. what, what drew you into the series back then? This is like its first outing. It's a, it's a new series. It's an RPG on the N64. There weren't many. It's very different from the original Mario games. What, what attracted you to the Paper Mario series? Honestly, it was just, you know, I, I, I was a lover of all Mario games for a long time, starting from, you know, on the original NES. And it just being when it came out, the newest one in the Mario franchise, I figured I'd play it. But it was instantly my favorite, and it has been, you know, since. Uh, I, I could go on and on about it. I know that uh, we want to talk more about the Thousand Year Door, but um, Paper Mario for me is probably the best Mario game I've ever played, even to this wow. day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Paper Mario 64 is a great game. Like, there's honestly very little wrong with it. It's uh, it's really well done. It's a spiritual successor, of course, to Super Mario uh, RPG, which is also a very good game. Uh, and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, to create that was a pretty daunting task. Um, like, what do you really do after you make um, a, a very, very good game on the N64? And uh, I'm not sure about you, but in my opinion, and uh, I think they equaled it or even bettered it. So I, I think that it is, it plays like a better game. And what I mean by that is the mechanics are all better and the more polished. The battles are better. Uh, I really like, for example, how they give your, your, your partner their own health bar and it's not just a normal or a random gauge of uh, mm -hmm. okay or not okay. Mm -hmm. But they didn't rehash it. It, it plays differently and... I'm not going to say better because I really do like, uh, I'm a nostalgia nerd and I really do like the original more, sure. but I appreciate what they did with this where, you know, Paper Mario 64, it plays like like an epic. It's, you know the bad guy right away, you, you know your quest, you know that all the bosses of each chapter are mini bosses that work for Bowser. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you rescue the star spirits and they help you. Paper Mario Thousand Year Doors and like that. It's almost like a treasure hunt where yep. you're trying to figure out what's behind the Thousand Year Door and then they swerve you as to who the real bad guy story is. And it's just creative while improving the mechanics. There are obviously some things that uh, I, I wish were better. For example, the, the worst quest in all of the Paper Mario games I've played, which is try and find the white bob <laughs> <laughs> whatever his name is and there's no fast travel i i hate that mission over and over <laughs> but for the most part they they just improved on what they could improve on while not rehashing uh the story which which was great yeah almost an impossible task honestly like to 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 do that and you know this is intelligent systems we talked earlier they did the fire emblem series uh and they really hadn't you know done anything uh, this crazy at this point like this was obviously fire emblem is a big game now but like neil said at the beginning of the episode fire emblem wasn't that big it was really only in japan um and not a lot of people knew about it and square was kind of the rpg king for nintendo and of course intelligence systems has to come along after square um says uh they want to go hang out with sony forever uh, and, and uh, intelligence systems had to kind of take this load and carry it and 
yeah, were, was able to create these these amazing games. But for you, so you you played Thousand Year Door around when it came out, basically, right, Jason? Uh, actually, for me, I, I I was playing Paper Mario sixty four for way longer than I probably should have. <laughs> Thousand Year Door, I only picked up a couple, eh, not a couple of years ago, but probably you know later than you would think. I, I okay. can't really put a date to it, but. Um, Certainly later than than I would have liked after having played it and loving it, but uh, but yeah, I, I've still gotten more than my share of uh, playthroughs in. So what was what were your thoughts then? You know, playing it as an adult, basically, what were your thoughts on the dialogue? The dialogue is very uh, it's dark. Yes, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's not what you expect out of a Mario game. I can tell you that much. And you know, as an adult, you you kind of appreciate it. Uh, playing, for example. Um, Paper Mario now, uh, like I like I mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of just skip through it, and that's fine. Uh, I know what the dialogue is; I've played it to death. But you know, for for Thousand Year Door, it's something you pay attention to because something hits you when you when you pay attention to you know maybe one frame while you're scrolling through, and they're like, "Wait, what was that?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or something's happening like Mario is talking to Luigi, and you can see people or characters in the background talking about you. Or they're having like a, a complete conversation behind your back about something else. Like you really yeah. have to be reading like two conversations at once. Like it's a comic book panel. Yeah. This game does like encourage you to have conversations with other characters, and it's it's honestly worth it. Like I would never seek out any. I, I never seek out any conversations in other Mario games. Like the mainline Mario games, I don't want to talk to anybody because the dialogue yeah. is generic. It's boring. It's long. Like it's not interesting. I just want it to get over with so I can go back to the action. But in Paper Mario, the RPG series, like I just want to talk to everybody. And that hasn't happened in many games. Like the only other game I can think of other than Paper Mario is the South Park games. Like I really want to yeah. go out and look for <laughs> look for the conversations because they're laugh out loud funny. And for some reason, comedy and video games, we talked about this within the last year, I forget what episode it was now, but comedy and video games is so few and far between that when you finally find a game that makes you laugh out loud, you want it to last forever. It's true. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, I really think that this is probably the game with the best bosses as far as a Mario game goes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've played Galaxy, the original 64, uh, Paper Mario, etc. But for example, Rock Hawk, like you, you really yeah. wanted to, to, to kill that bastard <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, more family friendly word there. But, <laughs> but it's just they really got the villains down. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the original Paper Mario, for example, I think the the partners you get are more iconic, but the the bosses are not. Um, and the bosses are like puzzles in themselves too. Where when you yeah. start the fight, there's not really like an obvious thing on what you're supposed to do to them to to weaken them. Like you're hitting them with your hammer, but maybe you're supposed to be jumping on their their a horn on their head or something. Like like there's just yeah. things that like there's there's clues about them that might be their weakness, but it never completely tells you. So typically the boss fights for me at least, I needed to fight them two or three times or the last or the last boss multiple times because it just took so dang long and the bosses yeah. were so hard but yeah they're a mix of challenging and like creative as well which was really neat yeah yeah t- definitely agree mm-hmm. and you mentioned earlier about how there's always uh, the dialogue uh, kind of a background characters like the background dialogue uh as you're playing or even just in conversations with other people that's something i don't think i've ever really seen in a game before or since especially a mario game like that that was really cool to me. Like you you start off the game, one of the first things you do in Rogueport, you're talking to Goombella, hanging out, uh, you're by the the executioner's block. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the middle of the town yeah, square. Yeah. And there's the the 
Panada people or whatever you call them uh, from Sunshine, the, who are like the mobsters in the town, they're beating up some people in the background. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, they're they're kind of swearing at them. And uh, and then the people are like, oh, wow, they, like, they beat us up again. Like, oh, I hate those jerks. And like <laughs> that, this is all going on while you're having a conversation with Goombella. Yeah. Uh, like there's there's no stopping it. It's it's really cool to see. And it really immerses you in a, in a much deeper way. I, I wish that they made the Peach missions more fun. I still yeah. think that the Peach missions are, are bad in both of them. It's funny. I'm, I just finished the mission. We were talking earlier about uh, <laughs> uh, about like being being more progressive. There's literally a Peach <laughs> mission where you're baking a cake. It's, <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like, there's like an awkward like shower scene too in uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door yeah. where like... Yeah, she's like got to undress and then dress up again. She showers, like just random scenes like that. And there's like a robot that's oddly falling in love with her. It's kind of like a Black Mirror Twilight Zone <laughs> episode going on. You don't really know. They are kind of random at first. They do get interesting towards the end, but it definitely takes a few chapters before the Peach missions get even remotely interesting. They're just kind of creepy and awkward to start with. My, I think one of my favorite pieces of dialogue comes from Bowser, where he says to a bob I am Bowser, businessman of legend, fear my accounting. <laughs> and it's just like, like the dialogue is funny it's it's not something you expect it's, no yeah. and like if it's, you just randomly scroll through it you'll miss it it's very unexpected and there's so much of it yeah because um nowadays i'm just almost so tuned to just click a all the time to just get through stuff yeah you know uh, honestly it's it's because neil and i have played so many of these gamecube games to get ready for so many episodes where there's a lot of games that aren't great and have a lot of dialogue that goes on forever that I don't want to hear about because I just want to get to the gameplay to, you know, properly review it. So I'm kind of used to just like spamming A, like, let's go, let's go. And they even reference that in the game where there's a moment (laughs) where you're talking to like a forest elder of some kind. They're like these little, you know, the bugs that have the little lights on their head and Pino is one of, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and you're in like the room with the elder and then the young, the young one, and the elder is talking, and like it cuts ahead, and like the screen says like several hours later, and <laughs> yeah. the old guy is still talking, and then like Mario and his partner are asleep, and the little guy is still listening to the old guy, and and he's like, and that's why you know there's like a whole lesson to it, but it is like a it's a commentary on video game dialogue and dialogue and media in general about how like it's all very just padding and useless, and it, it's really <laughs> funny. It just reminds me of like the SpongeBob joke where it's like several hours later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it cuts ahead and everyone's asleep. It's just like that. It's like, why would you, like, you don't have to even put this in the game. You could just either A, make it something that's non skippable, which we hate, or just take it out. But they decided to turn it into a joke. Yeah. And of course, you know, this game is renowned for its graphics and how they, they handle the graphics. And one of my favorite things is really the, the non traditional load screens. Uh, and how they're able to to do that in such a cool way, you know, when you go into a house instead of a you know seeing a black screen with a uh, the loading symbol that you'd see every single time, instead the house kind of folds in on itself, right? And then you can see the rest of you know like the the, the walls come down, the roof goes up, whatever it is to to make sure that you can see everything. And I think that's such a cool way to to create like again immerse yourself even more because it feels like you're still being able to play as Mario and control him, but in that you know three second animation you can't move but you're just watching this animation because it's like oh this is actually really cool certainly beats star wipes to get to the next thing (laughs) exactly exactly and that's all i could think of is you know in every mario game it's usually 
uh, quite a bit of loading, and we 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 forget about it because the games are so good usually. The the one thing I wish they kept from the first game is um, you know in every battle you're you're on a stage with curtains and there are stage hazards and everything. Mm-hmm. I wish like in the first game when you got in a battle and say Mount Lava Lava, the background was Mount Lava Lava. I don't yeah. know why it just sort of immerses you more in it. Uh, it sort of takes away in the battle, but obviously everything about battles besides that is is better. Um, but but as far as graphics go, obviously they did an amazing job. But that is one thing I wish that they they brought from the last game. Yeah, the the fights are always, they always take you to like you're in a in a in like a elementary school theater production or something, <laughs> yeah. and everyone yeah, you know exactly. the, the stage is falling apart around you. There's the red curtains. It's a cute touch. It, it would have been maybe better off just to keep that to the tutorials. I know what you're saying. How it does take you out of it. How you go from this forest to to a theater filled with Koopas watching you or whatever it is. It yeah. it, it was a little bit strange. Um, I, I could see that point too. I think the battle system in general is what we we talked about with other guests was kind of the only real negative that we could find was the setting that it always takes place in and then just the random things that happen while you're fighting, which is like audience members throwing things at you, uh, items falling off the stage, uh, just added a little too much randomness to the, the battle. Didn't add fun, that's for sure. Especially because some of those were unblockable, which was the worst right. part. Uh, yeah, at, at exactly. At least make it so it's like guardable. But <laughs> Exactly. One of the things that we haven't talked about yet with any of our guests, though, is the references to uh, other games within the Paper Mario games and references to Thousand Year Door in other Nintendo games. So there's 13 references in total in inside of Paper Mario Thousand Year Door to other video games, uh, including Luigi's Mansion, Mario Sunshine, the original uh, Mario Kart 64, and the original Paper Mario. Uh, one of which uh, is one of my favorite ones is like a fourth wall breaking reference where there's a toad in Pedalberg where the first time you talk to him he's playing Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance uh, you talk to him again later on in the game now he's playing Paper Mario for the N64 and then you go to him a third time and he's playing Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door the game that you're playing which is just a really cute little touch and a nod it, uh, just another thing that they didn't have to do but it's just funny that like this little toad is playing the game that you're playing towards the end and then Paper Mario is referenced in games mainly Smash Bros but also the other Paper Mario games that came after it uh, you can always find a reference to this game in in those games. Yeah, the toad the toad one I completely forgot about, but like that just unlocked a memory. I I I don't think I ever. Uh, do you need to talk to him three times? Because I don't remember him playing Thousand Year Door. I do remember him playing Mario uh, uh, Paper Mario sixty four though. I think you only need to talk to him once. It's only like, oh, okay. it's an optional thing where when you go back to him, you don't have to talk to really anybody in these towns except for the 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 story mission characters. But That's if you true. happen yeah. to go back to this toad three times, he'll be playing three different games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a nice touch they put in for sure. Yeah. Jason, is there? do you have a, a favorite chapter in this game, like a, a favorite section that you really, really love? We'll give you a hint. All three of our four guests today, everyone has said the same mission. Let's see if you can go four for four. I, I, I would need to like play the game again and figure it out. I can't give you one right now. I'm just thinking of the game holistically. I could tell you that something I really enjoy doing was beating Rockhawk, as I said before. But uh... well, Rockhawk is the is the boss in the the Fight Club level, right? That's his. Yeah. So that is everyone's favorite level. Okay. So you, your favorite boss is the boss from everyone's favorite level. So we'll count that. Okay, I did, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, did it. And do you have a favorite partner in the game? Mario, of course, collects seven or eight partners along the way. Did you have one that you like to, to use as your main? Uh, Yoshi, or whatever the mini Yoshi yeah. was called. Uh, he, was, he, was, he, he was my main, and in the original 64, it's the Paratroopa, Para something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah those, those are the mains for sure. 
Yeah, Baby Yoshi didn't have a name. You got the opportunity to name him when he, like, hatched. I oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, so I nicknamed him Broshi because he's, like, a little <laughs> Yoshi with a mohawk, and I yeah. thought that was super cute. I love him, too. He's my favorite as well. Great choice. Awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty punk rock. Oh, yeah. He, he's definitely, like, the bassist in Rancid or something. You know, that's definitely what he's doing. <laughs> oh. Well, Jason, thank you very much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Uh, do you have anything else you would like to say about this lovely game before we let you go? Uh, I don't think so. I was actually just looking at it when you guys were talking about the references. I think there are also Paper Mario references in games like Animal Crossing and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which yep. shouldn't surprise anyone. I, I don't know exactly what they are, but I'm I'm trying to research as we're talking, and I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nintendo will never give us a remake of Paper Mario. They'll just keep giving us references to Paper <laughs> Mario just to remind us that they exist and that they're never going to give them to us. What, what was the latest one that came out? Paper Mario and the Origami King. Well, I have a Switch now, and I haven't played it, so I should really get on, get on that. <laughs> uh, you, you have it 64 on the emulator, so, you know, just keep... <laughs> I'll just play that over and over again. <laughs> keep playing that over and over, and until then, uh, I'm sure we will have you back on uh, shortly to hopefully talk about another great game. Yeah, I, I look forward to it. Thank you guys so much. Always a pleasure. And um, what episode are we on now? Episode, episode 90. Yeah. Oh, good, good luck for the big 100. Uh, maybe yeah. I'll join you. Do you have plans for that one or you yes. can't share them yet? Uh, it'll be Super Mario Strikers. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, is, that a, like, yes. is that a good oh, my God or a bad yes, oh, my God? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My, my, Mike knows my affinity for that game as well. Yes, brother. <laughs> like in every sports game, the one-timer is broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Then we look forward to talking to you in 10 short weeks. Oh, 10 short weeks. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for your time tonight, and uh, we look forward to having you back on real soon. Perfect. Have a good night. Later, buddy. See you later. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Jason. Our final caller of the days, I guess, of, of uh, all mm-hmm. the, the days together that we've done for this amazing game. And he had great stories to share about Thousand Year Door and, of course, Paper Mario 64. I can't believe he played it for then did those sleepovers for that long. That's amazing. That I mean, that's dedication, but, you know, Neil, you and I have been playing Nightfire for the last 20 years, so... Well, that's why I, I was talk. so impressed. No, I know, but that's why I was so impressed. I'm always amazed when people say, yeah, you know, we got together and we, we had a slumber party or a sleepover, as we call them, and we played Zelda or we played Final Fantasy or we played Paper Mario. It's like, you guys played RPGs together? Like, we played the party games together. I don't think we ever played, like single-player focused games from start to finish. Even when we played Nightfire, we were playing the multiplayer for the most part, and then we'd switch over to Mario Party, Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros. Like, we never sat down and played a 30-hour RPG together. But a lot of people have, and honestly, like, this is why Twitch exists, because people do like watching games, despite the fact that in theory, you shouldn't like watching a game. You want to actually play it, right? So, Right. But, Mike, I think it's time that we finally close the book on this uh, this storybook of an RPG Paper Mario game. But before we do, I think it's time that we read the back of the case. Yes, I think it's finally time, Neil. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. What sleeps behind the door? 
Time passes, the pages turn. Get ready for a two-dimensional role-playing adventure as Mario returns to paper form to discover a mystery that sleeps beneath an ancient legendary portal called the Thousand Year Door. The quest is long, the dangers many, and this time, Mario will have to make full use of his papery qualities just, just to survive. survive. <laughs> I was also it's reading a, it while you <laughs> It's a great bag of the case, I love it. Mike, I think that Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door is much deserved to be in a thousand and one video games to play before you die. Is there an is there a uh, segment in that book that you can read? Uh, how did you know, Neil? You read my mind. Ah, I'm that good. It's been 90 episodes. We're finally getting on, you know, getting on the same page here. I love it. Yeah, we're starting to get along. Yeah. <laughs> a counterpart to Mario's handheld RPG adventures, Paper Mario compounds its slick visuals with some of the most inventive mechanics ever seen in an RPG, even one as genre-bending as this one. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, too, exploring some deep psychological themes with a sentient AI, Luigi going off on his own equally ridiculous adventure, sending him to sleep in the process. It all adds up to one of the quirkiest and most lovable adventures available, a stylish game that pokes plenty of fun at RPG traditions while conforming to the escalating powers and relentless leveling that made them great in the first place. This is one door that definitely is worth opening, perhaps more than once. I think that that review just kind of summarized what I what I like, like it just kind of nailed what I like so much about Paper Mario is the weaving storylines that all come together so well towards the end, Yeah, which is one of the things that I love most about Seinfeld and some of my favorite movies is that like there's never one storyline going on. And when there are multiple storylines, they're not like cookie cutter. And I think that that's one of the one of the issues that I've had with like a lot of recent pop culture big pop culture movies like Marvel and, and Star Wars, like the, the stories are all so predictable mm-hmm. uh, and the, the branching paths, like you know how they're all going to come together at the end. What's fun about Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door is that you really don't know, you, don't, you start off not knowing what's going on and even halfway through the game, you still don't really know what's going on and as you start to piece it together and it all comes together in this glorious finish, it's just like such a great, it's a great experience that it's so hard to explain without playing all 30 hours. It, it just comes together so perfectly at the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I could not have said it better myself. I always love 1001 video games because it says the things I can't put into words. Yep. Maybe someday we'll be able to write like that, but uh, <laughs> not this day. Mike, we usually end every episode with recommending a game that we talk about or games that we talk about. Obviously, we've cut this up into two episodes. We barely had any negatives to say about Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. So I'm just going to save the listeners a bit of time here and say, yes, we both recommend picking up Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Uh, if you can find it for a reasonable yes. price. Thank you. If you can find it for a reasonable price, if you can't, uh, you can uh, do the thing that uh, Nintendo doesn't like you doing uh, to video games to play it at a much more reasonable price. Hint, hint, wink, 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 (laughs) nudge, nudge. Uh, But Mike, I wanted to ask you, are there any other games in the Paper Mario series that we talked about today that have piqued your interest that you might want to go pick up? Well, I definitely want to play 64 again because I played a bit of it. I haven't, you know, fully played it through i definitely have not beat 64 well you hate the n64 i do exactly so (laughs) but the fact that i can play it on nintendo's online service you know that is probably where i would start um the wii one if i had a wii accessible to me like i do have a wii but i just don't have it set up in in my house uh if i had a wii i would definitely want to borrow super uh paper mario from you neil uh, because mm-hmm. you have good things to say about it, and I trust your judgment on Paper Mario, of course. Mm-hmm. But that's probably it. I mean, Origami King, we played it a little bit together um, yep. when we were at the cottage, and you know, I kind of, I kind of, it was like Kate talking about reviewing a game but not finishing it. I kind of got my review from that. 
Yeah. You know, like, I, I know what it's going to be. I'd like to play it one day. I'd like to actually go through it, but it's not something I'm actively seeking out. Right, exactly. I feel the same way. I've played, I've at least played every single Paper Mario game. That's good. That's more than me. Yeah, not to completion. Yeah, no, like, I've I've beaten the first three, and then the other three to four games, I've played at least the first hour, I would say, and... I'm at the point now in my life where, like, if a video game doesn't grab me within the first hour, or like you said, I can see where this is going and it's not a good path, then that's not a good sign and I'm just going to ditch it, especially a game that's going to demand 20 to 30 hours of my time. Yeah. Uh, and, and for a game that might not even end up being very good, I just don't have that kind of free time to spare. So uh, games in the Paper Mario series, I think I'm pretty much done. I'm happy with the three that I have. I hope that Nintendo does release a really good one in the future. Origami King looked close, but not quite close enough. I am obviously much more interested in that indie game Bug Fables, which I yes. have on my wish list on my Switch right now. And uh, when I have a bit of time or if that game goes on sale, I think I'm going to scoop that one up and kind of treat that as uh, the Paper Mario spiritual successor that I've been waiting for. I think that's what you have to do, Neil. I think yeah. that's just like what you know reality is for Nintendo fan these days. <laughs> you ha- you got to yeah. go with Fast RMX if you want F-Zero. You got to go with that new Robo game for cheaper, Chibi Robo. Um, you know, it's and then now this for, for Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door. So... I mean, it's it, it kind of sucks, but it's nice. You know, it's it's a it's a double edged sword. It's a, it's a little bittersweet in that sense where Nintendo refuses to make these games again or, or remake them uh, or even put them online so I can play them in any way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we do have any devs who probably grew up with these games just like we did. And they understand the nostalgia of it. They understand what made them work. They understand what makes the new ones not work. Right. And I think that's really important and honestly is probably the way of the future. Probably. I think that's a good I think that's a good prediction. Now, with the actual Paper Mario games though, the games that Nintendo make, what do you think they'll do? Do you think that we will see remakes or remasters? And if not, do you like do you think that the mainline games are just gonna continue to keep doing this? Uh, innovation with the series because I think I think that's where they're going to go with it. Yeah, yeah. So I 100% agree. I think they will go with yeah. in that route. I, I would be stunned to see them make a, a remake or even a remaster, honestly, of uh, of Thousand Year yeah. Door or 64. I just I can't see that happening. No. Uh, I think the, we will get another Paper Mario. I can like guarantee that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one will come out in the future. Uh, it will probably be similar to Origami King, but just with, yeah, new mechanics, uh, new visuals, some new characters added in. Maybe you get to play as, um, it's Paper Luigi instead of Paper Mario. Is yeah. the, I don't know. Who knows? There's, there's a lot of, uh, routes that you can go down and, and Paper Mario is like, now that there's the RPG element has kind of been crushed, uh, they they really have any avenue they want to to go down. So yeah. we'll get one. It'll be different, and uh, it's somewhat hopeful because you know that the Nintendo's not going to stay in a box with it. So it mm-hmm. could be good. It could be. I I have hope for a. This is what I would really hope. This is never going to mm. happen. But this is my pie in sure. the sky <laughs> dream. And then we'll uh, then we'll close out the episode. But we've had a lot of series come out and movies come out recently where they kind of go back and retcon old movies that were bad. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but like we just saw the new Spider-Man film a couple of months ago, and like it it didn't like change the old movies, but it did kind of tie up a lot of loose ends from the old movies that were left that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth from like some of the old Spider-Man films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that the new movie did fix a lot of things about the old movies. I would like to see Paper Mario do 
kind of like what Spider-Man just did and have a way to merge all of these different Paper Mario games into one. Like, I, I like the idea of Paper Mario being like Zelda, where every game, it's actually a different Mario. You're not playing as the same Mario. You're a different Mario in a different universe. I would like to see all of these Marios come into a game together and that game be really good. Like, it incorporate yeah. Like, basically taking the bad Paper Mario games that... What made them bad was that they took out the RPG mechanics. Basically bring them into the old games and then give them the RPG mechanics. Because, like, I think the sticker stuff was kind of cool. And I think that, like, the Color Splash stuff was kind of cool. Like, the worlds were all neat and colorful and pretty. I think that all they were missing was just that little bit of, like, the XP gaining and, like, the turn-based mm-hmm. battles. Like, just bring the, those worlds together. Like, like add a sticker origami 2D, 3D Switch. Like, make them all come together as one and, and make this really cool adventure with all the Paper Marios together. We've seen a crossover, like we talked about with Kate, with uh, Paper Jam, and it did not go super well. So I don't know if Nintendo has the type of resources to make a game like that, nor do I think it's financially worth the time to make something like that. But yeah. I think that there is a way to, to bring all of these games together into one crossover of the Paper Mario MCU and, <laughs> and make it like just a really cool story. But that's my like ultimate dream that I don't think will ever happen. Paper Mario Ultimate coming soon <laughs> in 2029. 2029 when I'm like when I'm like 80 years old. But Mike, while I'm waiting for Paper Mario Ultimate to come out to the Nintendo Switch 2, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 91 of the GameCube was Cool podcast. On episode 91, we're taking you to Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. And uh, we're also going to be talking about Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider Legends, that is on the GameCube. Uh, some interesting stuff there. Uh, I know it's going to be a bit weird, you know, because of the Sands and the Time and all that stuff that goes on with Prince of Persia. Yeah, it'll be a strange episode, but we'll see what happens, Neil. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun episode. I love time travel in video games. I love reversing time in video games. I think that that's a yeah. really cool mechanic. I even like it in movies. Like Tenant was a really cool concept uh, for a movie. But Mike, I, I gotta I gotta ask you something real quick though. Next next Thursday, it's uh, it's technically April Fool's week. Uh, last year, famously, we did the PlayStation Two was cool. Uh, that went brilliantly well. Uh, we don't have anything <laughs> planned for next week. No, after after the the botched uh, launch of PlayStation Two was cool on the mm. on Instagram, uh, and having that handle, we we decided to shut it down this year for April Fools. Mm. Okay, I can I can totally see that. That was definitely an Instagram <laughs> nightmare for me, as the listeners will remember. <laughs> we were at PS Two was cool for about two weeks, and it was not a good time. So I think we're just gonna have to uh, reverse time and uh, and not do an April Fools episode, Mike. That sounds good, Neil. That sounds good. Yep. All right. That sounds good. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to both parts of episode 90 of the GameCube was Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday, sometimes Friday, on all the major podcast services. Leave us a five-star rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was Cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there who supports us. You can also follow us for free on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the GameCube pod and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel, The GameCube Was Cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Toadsworth, Mike says hi. He's back from the dead in Paper Mario, Mike. (laughs) Yes, he is. (laughs) Yes, he is. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Yeah, so so he didn't die on that hot tin roof? I guess not. Maybe I got that wrong. Maybe that was a different Toadsworth. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it was like, you know, his cousin? This is Could a different Toadsworth Jr.?
Could have been. How? What do you think? Like the gestation period is of a toad. Like when they're when they're having their young. Like do they give birth to like a litter of toads? What do you call a group of toads? Like a, a, a murder litter. of a murder of toads. <laughs> I, I like a murder. A gaggle of toads. <laughs> a gaggle of toads. A pod of toads. What do you call a group of toads? I need to know that. Write into us, please. <laughs> that was a big boy.